Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Friday, July 21st. Our top story today, bosses at the Port of Dover say they've got plans in place to try and avoid gridlock as the summer holidays get underway. They're working with coach companies to try and spread journeys out during peak times and have installed extra border control facilities. This weekend is expected to be the most popular for families to head abroad. Jamie Pout is Deputy Leader of Dover Council. He's desperate for the town not to be badly affected. What's being done for the people of Dover, I suppose, is what we're particularly interested in. Um, And so that's what we've been pushing hard on. Um, And we've been trying to work proactively with partners such as the Port of Dover, who have actually been very supportive of what we're trying to do. Uh, You know, trying to get a plan in place to protect those kind of key locations within the town, Walcomer Street, York Street um, on the A20, some of the roundabouts to make sure that we don't get gridlock traffic like we've seen in the past. Um, and to make sure that um, we keep Dover um, queue-free, to make sure it's open for business, to make sure residents and businesses can thrive. And you're going to, Casey, to the Kent Resilience Forum. What have they been saying to you? What have you been pushing them on? And what has their reaction to that been like? Yeah, so so we, we always push them uh, each time, you know, these these very predictable dates come up. You know, school, school dates are, are very predictable. We know them. Uh, we know that, that July is going to be a key date. We know Easter was going to be a key date. Um, you know, we go to them and say, can, can you can you put patrols, can you put officers, highways officers, whoever you like, to to keep these 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 routes clear? Um, the, the lorries are supposed to queue on Brock. They're supposed to queue on Tap. Um, a lot of them try and circumvent that. They try and come through the town. You know, they nip through Folkestone Road. They try and come down York Street. Uh, and by the time they 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 do that, they clog up those those key junctions then the, the residents can't move around. The businesses then suffer. Uh, people can't go about their day-to-day business and, and it's just horrendous for everyone. And, and that's just simply just not fair. So we're working with the Port of Dover who actually have been really supportive. Um, so we're really, really happy that we're working with them. They're, they're working on a plan with us to, to put their Port of Dover police on some of those key junctions, key roundabouts. Abigail Hawke has been speaking with Toby Howe from the Kent Resilience Forum as queues around Dover already start to form. At the moment, everything is doing what it should do. We were expecting a very busy day and, in fact, yes, it is, as you say there. But traffic is flowing through the town. Um, it's all being very well managed within the port. Eurotunnel is also very busy, but, again, no delays there. So, um, touch wood, everything is doing exactly as it should, and we're quite happy with the progress today. 22,000 people are expected to pass through this weekend um, with the schools breaking up. But has this morning and what you've just been telling me now given you a bit of confidence for the rest of the day, weekend and the summer? Um, Yes, it has given a bit of confidence, but... um, We never know what's around the corner, so we have to prepare for that. As we saw last July, we had some problems where we had a serious crash on the M20. We had a lack of resource being able to get to manage things at the port. And we had protests delaying traffic to get to us in the first place. So whilst things do what they're supposed to, our traffic management works as it should. But we have to be prepared Um, that there could be issues and we have staff ready to deal with any issues that do arise. Passengers are being told not to arrive more than three hours before sailing. 
Kent Online reports. A man will appear in court today charged with threatening to torch a block of flats in Margate. Tony Gannon is accused of making a hoax bomb threat at the Swine Road flats in Cliftonville, which caused the evacuation of 16 homes. The 61-year-old, who lives on the road, was arrested at the scene. Black smoke has been seen pouring from a Kent racetrack after a number of vehicles caught a light. Crews were called to tackle the blaze at Lydon Hill just before nine this morning. It's believed a lorry has also been engulfed. You can see pictures at Kent Online. The FIA World Rallycross Championship is due to be held there this weekend. This is another of our most top-viewed stories today. Beachgoers were shocked last night to find a dead whale washed up on the shore of one of Kent's beaches. The minky whale, thought to be about 30 foot long, was found yesterday evening in St Mary's Bay. It's yet to be dealt with by authorities. We're being warned not to go near it until it's been removed. A Thanet Social Club has been fined following the death of a handyman who fell from the roof. Eric Town had been changing hanging baskets at Westgate United Services Club when it happened in May last year. Club bosses have admitted health and safety breaches and have been told to pay £10,000 plus costs. Kent Online reports. Toucan men have been sentenced after being convicted of hair coursing in Lincolnshire. The 42- and 57-year-olds from Ashford and Maidstone were arrested after reports of criminal activity in Leverton last December. They have been banned from going to the county and told to pay fines and costs. A police dog has helped to track down a suspected metal thief found hiding a mile from an abandoned car in Faversham. The vehicle had been linked to the theft of aircon equipment from businesses in Longfield and Maidstone on Monday. PD Elsa sniffed out the 21-year-old who is still in custody. People living in Whitstable say they've been left feeling intimidated after more than 100 teenagers gathered on the beach. It's claimed the young people have been wreaking havoc in the town, drinking alcohol and being loud. Over the past few weeks, police have put dispersal orders in place to try and stop antisocial behaviour. There's been more problems with antisocial behaviour in Faversham, with residents calling for more police patrols. The most recent incident on Sunday saw a bench in the local wreck destroyed after being set on fire. The council have called it disappointing, while police say a number of arrests have been made in the area and they'll continue to crack down on the problem. Kent Online reports. As schools break up this week, the boss of a Kent food bank expects the number of people needing their help will increase. The summer months can be a tough time for families with children who qualify for free school meals. Gillingham Street Angels is already feeding thousands of people every month. It was founded by Neil Charlick. We really appreciate, you know, you guys getting involved and doing that kind of thing. We, the level of food we need these days is is amazing. I mean, as I was talking to someone earlier, the infrastructure behind getting this stuff done and getting 18,000 people fed we have to have refrigerated vans, walk-in fridge freezers, a massive team of people, forklift truck. We need all this stuff now just to make it possible to feed that level of people. So our infrastructure has grown and grown. Our bills are growing. So support like this is amazing for us. And over the summer as well, obviously, um, particularly with families, if children aren't going to school and getting meals there, it can be quite tough, can't it? We do a couple of school projects. So we work with a couple of, there's a couple of football academies, a couple of schools we work with, and we do the meals for them. We offer, even in CAFs, we've got cafes that are used as businesses to help fund the charity, but we do kids' meals for a pound, and that's kind of unrestricted. You don't need to, some of these people offer a pound, but you've got to go in with an adult spending 15 quid, and, you know, we just you bring in 10 kids if you want. They'll all get eaten for a pound, eat for a pound, and it's good, healthy food kind of thing, you know, that kids will eat. It's all good. There's lots of things we'll do to help the kids. Obviously, the food bank, the numbers will go up in the summer as well with people coming along. It, it, you know, we try and do whatever we can, whether it's the school uniform. We try and fit into little gaps where people need help as much as we can. And as far as the tins are concerned, for anyone who's wondering what they should bring, is it literally tins of anything that you would be grateful for? 
the stuff we try to give out is stuff that can make meals from and healthy stuff. So things that we can turn into a meal. And there's there's a massive the amount of people who come, you know, nothing goes to waste. Even if we get some unusual tins, we always find a home for something. These days you've got massive cultural kind of differences, dietary differences. So you've got, you know, vegan out there, gluten free, people who want halal. So we're just grateful of anything because it will all it will all go to good use. They'll be receiving donations from KMFM's Tons of Tins Appeal. Building work has started on a new sports hall in the grounds of HMP Maidstone. Permission was granted for the old hall and swimming pool at the prison to be demolished in 2021. It's understood the new facilities will include a volleyball court, changing rooms, a physiotherapy room and a new tarmac outdoor recreational space. The bosses of an open-air theatre in Edenbridge say they're heartbroken after a fallen tree branch destroyed the stage roof. High winds last Saturday brought down the tulip tree branch at Hever Castle and damaged the Two Sisters Theatre beyond repair. The festival theatre will still go ahead as planned, with performances moved to different areas of the estate. This next story has been gripping Kent online readers today. A Folkestone mum is putting what she calls a haunted rocking horse up for auction. The wooden horse is said to have transported itself from room to room and will go up for sale with Canterbury Auction Galleries. Lucy has all of the spooky details for us. First of all, Lucy, what what do we know about this rocking horse? Well, the rocking horse is being sold by the great-granddaughter of its original owner, Dick Godden. He was a renowned medium who used it to help summon the spirits. It's been handed down to the family until it reached its current owner, Kelly, but she says she doesn't want it in the house. Kelly says she can't sell it without letting all potential buyers know about its paranormal past. What details has she given about the horse? Kelly says her grandmother used to tell stories about how the rocking horse would be in a certain place in one room and then move, even though no one else was in the house. Kelly has the horse sitting on the upstairs landing and although it's never switched rooms on her, she does hear banging from time to time when she's working from home. She says it's quite loud and sounds like someone is walking about. So it's being sent to auction? Yes, Kelly says her own 10-year-old daughter has no interest in riding it and so she's decided to sell it. It's expected to reach between £200 and £300 at the sale on July 30th. Kent Online reports. Organisers of this year's Canterbury Festival hope it will be just as popular as ever despite the cost of living crisis. Gabrielle is on the list this year along with around 150 other performers. Events will be staged in venues across the city including the Cathedral which will be used for a light and sound show to kick things off. Rob Smith is from the festival. This year we're actually stretching out a little bit more than two weeks. So we start on the 26th of September with Lux Morales, who are presenting Renaissance, which is a follow-up to what they did last year at Canterbury Cathedral, which was Shine. So we have that for about a week or five days and then a little bit of a break. And then we have the full two-week festival later on in October. And what are the highlights as far as you're concerned this year? Because there's an awful lot going on. Yeah, I, I was scanning them before talking to you, and It's like, OK, I need to pull out a few because there's about 150 events and there's lots of small events. There's lots of quite large scale events. And so, yeah, um, Lux Morales is a big highlight. That proved it was our first time doing it last year and that was a big success and everybody absolutely loved it. So we're really glad we were able to bring them back. Um, we also have a couple of big shows at the Cathedral. Um, we have, if I have to write the Talis Scholars, who will be um, the opening concert. Um, they've been with us quite a few times in the past and it's really good to have them back. But on the same night at the Great Hall at Kent College, we've got Ruby Turner, who's a sort of soul legend. So it's really good to have her in. Um, and then we've got lots of other things. We've got Gabrielle towards the end of the festival. Um, we've got a Dutch group called Slapstick who do kind of comedy classical music. Um, we've got comedians, Rich Hall, we've got Hal Crittenden, uh, Marcel Lucant. 
and the Eurovision uh, sock contest, which is the Strauss Falsetto sock puppets, which, you know, it's quite an array of events there. Absolutely. And as you say, I mean, how do you try and cater for everyone? Because there are, as you say, the really big events and, and things that are a lot smaller, but a huge diverse range of of acts as well how how do you choose you've got so many how do you start to choose what to invite uh, it's our programming team primarily they they they're very experienced in kind of um doing a festival that is ideally for everybody just obviously you've got lots of classical we've got lots of folk we've got comedy we've got a bit of a little bit of circus family events and really it's trying to trying to find something that fits the venues because we use lots of different size venues across the city so we use Westgate hall but then the great hall the cathedral and each venue kind of it caters for a different type of show. So you can have cabaret in the Westgate Hall, whilst you can have a bigger concert at the Great Hall. And really, it's yeah, it's trying to keep the program as diverse as possible. So you're not focusing on just one one art field, really. And how exciting is it to invite people into these different venues? Because perhaps visitors to the city maybe haven't been to some of these venues in the past. And as you say, they all offer something different, don't they? I mean, obviously, it's mm. going to be quite spectacular going to see an event in the cathedral, for example, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. And each each venue has its own kind of um, its own appeal, really. So the Westgate Hall, we actually we, we've used it for quite a long time. We work very closely with the team there and we essentially kind of change the dynamic of the venue we we black everything out and we turn it very much into a kind of festival venue for those two weeks um so it's really nice to be able to go in there and do that and meanwhile we've got a great hall which a lot of people haven't really been it's only been open for about four years now and that's a it's a 500 seater concert hall really and it's you can do lots of different types of events in there so theater classical music and gabrielle so yeah, it's it's really interesting. And it's mostly being able to use these hotspots across the city and kind of draw them all together so that it's very, very Canterbury focused. As you mentioned, the, the very first event, Lux Morales, is, was very, very popular last year. Perhaps you should explain a little bit about what it is and how spectacular it is. Um, indeed. So Lux Morales, they, they tour around the country and pretty much it's a sound and light show that they do in different cathedrals in various cities. Um, and they they have different shows. So really, it's kind of a, a walkthrough art installation, but it's very immersive. It's there's the sound and there's projections all around the cathedral architecture. So each section is different, essentially. And yeah, this year's theme is Renaissance. So it focuses on Renaissance artists, but also the kind of the, the science that came from Renaissance artists and ties it all together into sort of a visual treat, really. And people, a lot, you know, you can walk in and some people will stop and watch for an hour in just one section and then move into the next section. It's, um, yeah, it is really immersive and quite mind-blowing. Plans for two tower blocks on the seafront in Folkestone have gone on public exhibition. The controversial designs for land on the harbour arm have already been compared to something from the Flintstones or giant Jenga bricks. The full proposal includes 600 homes, shops and leisure facilities and exhibitions taking place at Customs House in the harbour. Plans to knock down a primary school in Tenham and rebuild it so it can double its intake could be given the green light. Swale Council say they've no objections to the proposal to expand Tenham Primary School so it can hold up to 400 120 students, but final approval is still needed. A cat from Canterbury has been saved by vets after getting trapped in a rabbit snare. Cupcake came home tangled in a thin wire after going missing for five days. PDSA vets managed to remove the trap and treat her wounds. She's expected to make a full recovery. And a much-loved teaching assistant in Gravesend is set to retire after more than three decades at the same school. Dorothy Masters started working at Cecil Road Primary and Nursery School 33 years ago. She's been talking 
talking to reporter Alex Langridge. I've worked here since 1990, so it's 33 years, and I'm very lucky to be able to retire this summer. <laughs> Must be a bit of a long time, a long time coming. Yes, yes, it has been, but it's, it's bittersweet. I'm quite looking forward to it, but I'm also very, very sad to leave this amazing school. And so how did you first sort of come to be working at the school? Um, my own children were in the nursery and I met a lifelong friend who asked me to come and work for the school when she was employed here and that's how I started. And what have you seen kind of over the years? I know you said teaching assistants roles have really changed sort of since when you first started to kind of now. What have you seen? Yes, absolutely. Um, in the beginning we were known as classroom assistants and we just used to help around the classroom and I used to make teas and coffees and just general, hear a few readers. Nowadays, it's an actual teaching job. We are classes teaching assistants. We're very much involved with working closely with the class teachers, with the curriculum, and we're teaching groups of children. And it's a very different job to what it was when I first started. And what are you going to miss the most about the school? Oh, primarily the children. But obviously, the this is an amazing school, and the teachers and the friends that I've made over the years, I've made... Um, amazing friends from this school and I will miss them dearly and what's the first thing you're going to do when you retire rest <laughs> <laughs> um I have a couple of holidays booked but um I think I just need to take it easy and think about what I'm going to do staff at the school have described her as selfless and say she's loved by everyone in the community Kent Online Sport. England's cricketers will hope to build a big lead over Australia in their must-win fourth Ashes test at Old Trafford. They resumed their first innings on 384 for four with a 67-run advantage over the tourists. Kent's Zach Rawley smashed 189 of those and says he was trying to build on the good work of the bowlers. No, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I rode my luck at times, um, but played some nice shots along the way and I enjoyed those. So um, batting with Mo is always fun as well. He's a funny guy and, um, and Ruti just takes so much pressure off you when you're batting. So... Yeah, I enjoyed today. Every Ashes knock is important, but that, that was yeah. And no, I was I was very pleased with how I played and how it went, and and the position we're in at the moment in the series. Um, you know, we're fighting back nicely, so we're in a good position to to push this game forward now. So uh, hopefully we do that. Still with cricket, Kent will be hoping to avoid an innings defeat on day three of the county championship match against Essex. They'll resume on four for one in their second innings, still 247 runs behind. The visitors made 458. And in football, Gillingham continue their pre-season friendlies later. They're sending a team to take on Sheppey United. Kickoff tonight is at 7.45. That's all from us today. Thank you ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top story direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.